Do you have a hobby or an interest? Or is there something that you would love to turn into maybe a side hustle? Something that brings in a little bit of extra income that gives you an outlet outside of ministry, something that you just love to do and would love to share with other people or serve other people with your skills, your expertise, or one of your hobbies. Well, today what I want to do is I want to sit down and I want to explain to you and talk you through the seven steps you need to take to take a hobby, something you love to do in your free time and just off to the side, to take that and move that into a side hustle that's bringing you a little bit of extra income, providing a little bit extra play money, spending money, or get out of debt money, and give you the ability to have an outlet outside of ministry to do something that you love that doesn't really fit into your ministry world right now. And so I'm going to walk you through those seven steps. Me and Pastor Matt are going to show you how we've done it on our side and hopefully equip you to do the same thing for you. So let's get started. So the big question is this. How do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. I hope you're doing wonderfully. So glad that you're here with us at this in this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Uh, such a wonderful fall day here in Virginia Beach. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. And as always, here what we do at Ministry Hackers is we're focusing on serving you as pastors and ministry leaders, helping you discover your dream life, whatever that looks like, whatever God's created for you, but giving you a life where you are uh, pastoring a growing ministry, a growing church, while at the same time enjoying family, friends, hobbies, traveling, whatever it is that you enjoy doing. And as always, on this wonderful Monday uh, afternoon, uh, I have Pastor Matt with me joining me. So welcome, Matt. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. How's it going there in Michigan, Matt? Good. We are in full spooky season over here. Uh, so fall weather has been excellent and uh, did the whole trunk or treat. We're probably going to go to a pumpkin farm at some point. So just enjoying the best season that there is. It is. It's beautiful. I love the fall. I got my long sleeve sweatshirts out. I got my hoodies, my flannels. Mm -hmm. We're ready to go. Are you dressing up this year? Uh, probably. It depends. We normally do like a family costume, mm -hmm. but our kids are starting to reach the age where they want to do their own thing. <laughs> they don't want to play. So that, I know. And so it's very disappointing, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Nice. Very nice. Okay. So what we're going to do today is we are going to talk about how to take a hobby and move it into a side hustle. And you have done this um, yourself mm -hmm. on your end. I have taken, I don't know if I would say it's a hobby, but I've taken a skill set and an expertise and I've transitioned it into, um, into uh, my full-time gig. And so um, we're going to walk through what that looks like and how other pastors and ministry leaders can um, do the very same thing. And so uh, before we dive into the steps, Matt, explain your side. What So what is it that you do as your side hustle? So I buy and sell Funko Pops. Uh, for those that don't know, Funko Pops are basically little bobbleheads. Um, what makes them unique is that they all have the same look to them, uh, but they also have licenses to basically everything that ever existed. So... <laughs> You have old TV shows and movies and comic books, uh, you know, superheroes, all that sort of stuff. 
and people will collect them. There's literally thousands upon thousands of these uh, different models and different things like that. And so what I do is I purchase them uh, normally in bulk, like from someone's old collection, and then I will individually sell them off on different sites. So uh, it was something that I was doing just for myself, kind of like you were talking about. Um, I just collected Funko Pops and then um, decided, hey, well, maybe I can take some of the ones I don't want and start selling them. And then that slowly became my side hustle. Nice. Okay, so just out of curiosity, just for my own sake, mm-hmm. how many pops do you own currently? So there's a few different numbers for that. <laughs> so uh, there is, so I have like three tiers of Funko Pops. So there is the Funko Pops that I own that I would not sell. And then there's the Funko Pops that I own and then I would probably sell, like I just have them, but I'm planning on selling them at some point. And then there's an even bigger number that is um, I partner with somebody else who uh, helps with the financial side and purchasing them. And so they're not even technically mine, but they are displayed and they are at my house. And so um, at your house. Yeah, yeah. So the last number is somewhere around like 700 to 800. Um, Yeah, so it's a lot, but probably... For myself, I probably have about 150 to 200. Okay, so the, how many do you have that you will not sell? What's that number? I would like to say 100, um, <laughs> but it's probably a little bit bigger than that. So, yeah. like, if push came to shove, probably about, like, there are probably about 50 of them that are, like, okay. Like, even if we, like, need the money or, like, I completely <laughs> step out of the pops, like, these are the ones that I like because they either have sentimental value or I really like them. And then there's probably about another additional like hundred or so that I'm, maybe they're from a movie I like or they're right. a cool figure. But like if I really wanted to get out, then I would probably sell them. Right. Well, not that it has to be said, but many who are listening don't know. Your wife is a saint. And so yeah. <laughs> she, <laughs> she has um, supported you in, and you've supported her. So I don't want to make it seem like you haven't been. Mm-hmm. But just, I mean... <laughs> Hundreds. We're talking hundreds in your house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The saint. <laughs> yeah. Like they, um, I have of just mine, five like bookshelves of Funko Pops. So luckily they're in the basement. And so it's like out of sight, out of mind for the most part for her. But right. yeah, she, uh, that's also one of the reasons it somewhat became a side hustle because it helps like support the habit a little bit. <laughs> Justify uh, Okay. <laughs> Exactly. Like, okay, if I'm selling some, then I can get some more. So, right. Which I, and this is probably a good point, a good place to point out. If you are looking to move anything, a hobby, a skill set, whatever, into a side hustle, your spouse needs to be on board and will be a saint by the end of it, more so than you will be, uh, because they definitely put up with a lot in the process, especially the beginning stage. So, um, I know for you, for myself, like that's definitely the case. And so, um, so yeah, hats off to your wife. <laughs> hats off to Ashley. Yeah. Just all that she's gone through the last couple of years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to talk about how you got there and how even myself. So, so for those who maybe this is your first time joining in ministry hackers for me, I was pastor. I was an executive pastor, um, for several years, um, had received my doctorate in strategic leadership foresight. Um, and decided something that God had called me to way back 
in Bible college uh, to serve pastors and and ministry leaders and really kind of uh, create an environment where pastors could um, last in ministry. Really, um, it was at a time where pastors were um, we were starting to see pastor pastoral numbers drop. We had lots of uh, big time uh, public moral failures in the ministry world. And I just felt God, my first year in Bible college, say, hey, you're going to be a part of serving pastors and helping them uh, do ministry better for longer. Um, and so for me, you know, I came to a point in my ministry where I just felt God moving me out into um, coaching and consulting. And so so whether it's creating courses, I you know have a, a published book that I wrote, um, whether it's coaching, whether it's consulting, doing team development, whatever it is. I have a whole package of, of things for me that's that started out as kind of a side hustle and has moved into my full-time focus. And so um, so that's kind of where – so you, both of us are, are – we uh, have done the same thing as far as taking something and making it a side hustle, um, but we're at very different ends of the spectrum. Yours is more on an entertainment side, Matt. And mine is more on a practical job side or ministry mm-hmm. side. So, but what we're going to talk about and the steps that we're going to use all apply to both of us in varying degrees because of our focus. Um, but they're all going to apply. So no matter what your niche is, no matter what your hobby is, no matter what your skill set or interest is, these seven steps will get you from, hey, I'm just doing this as something that I entertain myself with. It'll get you all the way to building a side hustle that can bring in the extra income you're looking for. So so let's get started. The first thing that you have to do, number one, is you have to decide on a niche. Now, what this means is there there is somebody out there who values what you're going to bring to the table, whether it's a skill, whether it's um, uh, an interest, whether it's an expertise, whatever it is, whatever you feel like, hey, I have this thing that I want to offer. There is somebody out there who will pay to be a part of that who will support your um, interest by buying your products and services. So the first thing you have to do is you have to decide on what that niche is. Now, the problem is, especially for those of us who are saying, hey, I really need the side hustle. Maybe for you, you're in ministry and you're like, hey, I need some extra income. I'm not going to be able to get it from my salary at the church. So I need some sort of income. Well, when we start that way, then our focus is how, what can I create to sell? But the problem is, is we take that and we say, okay, well, I have this thing that I want to sell and I need to find people who will buy it. And what we do is, is we just say, anybody and everybody who wants this thing, come here and I've got it for you. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is it's kind of the old adage. If everything is special, nothing is special. Well, here it's the same thing. If you're trying to sell to everybody, nobody is going to buy simply because you're shotgunning it out and you're not connecting with your potential customers, your potential audience. And so the first thing we have to do is decide on a niche. Who is it? Who is that very specific group that you're going to serve? So for me, my specific group are pastors and ministry leaders in churches who are overwhelmed, who are anxious, stressed out, and who want to grow their church while at the same time spending more time with their family. So Matt, for you, kind of like walk through how you ended up on your niche. So the big thing that I had realized is that Funko Pops were selling very well, um, but they were always a kind of 
sidewall thing when it came to other when it came to people who were selling them so a lot of people who were selling them were selling other collectibles maybe it was something like pokemon cards or um you know different figures or action figures or things like that but there wasn't really a big um there wasn't any sort of store that i was seeing that was specifically for funko pops it was always yeah we have a few of those and they would have like one shelf of random Funko Pops. And so for me, I really went in with the target of, I am going to specifically sell Funko Pops. Mm -hmm. um, and the temptation, like you were saying, is if I, you go into it with just like the money making mentality of it, right? Um, it, there's a lot of other things where it's like, oh, well, if we sell this too, then it'll get more people in the door and like all that sort of stuff. Um, but my big thing was I wanted people when they thought of Funko Pops that they wanted to go to Waz Pops, that they wanted, yeah. like, that would be like, I'm specifically in search of this and this is where I'm going to go. Not that it's one of the 50 things that you sell, but this is specifically what I want. And so, um, I really wanted to cater to that audience of people who were into collectibles, who are specifically into Funko Pops and then the culture of, you know, comic books, uh, you know, nerd culture, that sort of a thing. So um, that was kind of the big driving force for me. Um, like even when I'm looking at collections, uh, there are people like I have, you know, a bunch of Funko Pops and I also have XYZ. I say, hey, I'm just interested in the pops. I know I could sell the other stuff. And you know, there is money probably to be made there. Right. But I want it to be specifically, hey, this is what we sell. And we're very good at it. And we have a wide variety of stuff for you to find. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a perfect example of because you could. There's other options you could take advantage of, but you're staying focused on that one little niche. That's really and and, and I like what you said there too. When you're niche focused, when you really know your niche, you're able to say no pretty comfortably because you know what your niche is. But more mm -hmm. importantly, you're able to do that one thing really, really well. And so yeah, so yeah. So if that's the idea, if you're wanting to move a hobby into something else, really, what is it that one thing that you're wanting to do? So. Okay, so then the next step. So you've discovered your niche. Okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do Funko Pops. That's my thing. Or I'm going to do, mm -hmm. um, you know, pastoral ministry, leadership development. That's my thing. So so then what? What the next step is? Well, the next step is, is discover the pains and problems. Everyone who is coming to you or, or potentially could be coming to you, they have a pain or a problem they're trying to fix. They're trying to solve. It's uh, Maybe it's Maybe it's something like on my end, maybe it's something like they don't have enough time with their family and they really love ministry and don't want to leave it. But at the same time, like they're missing out on their kids growing up and they're missing out on, on watching, you know, their kids go play baseball or go, you know, to the recital. They're missing out on those moments because they're so involved with ministry or for you, Matt, you know, you know, the pain or the problem is, you know, Hey, I, I can get Funko Bobs anywhere, but how do I know what I'm getting? How do I know that that's, you know, I'm getting the right ones and they're good quality or whatever. And so what are the pains and problems that your niche is having? Identifying those, discovering what those are, really kind of zone, you know, zeroing in on that and saying, okay, this niche really has an empty space. And you, you kind of already mentioned it, Matt. Um, you know, for you, you were finding that Funko Pops was kind of a sidewall thing and nobody's really doing it well. And so that immediately is like, oh, well, here's a problem or here's, you know, maybe a gap. What other pains or problems do you feel like you've kind of discovered along the way that your niche has? Well, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was talking about before, where 
when it's a sidewall thing, um, like when you go into a very popular thing is like game stores. So you go into a GameStop or something like that. Um, they'll know about Funko. Maybe they can even look up like, hey, when we're getting a product in. But like their focus is on gaming systems or you go into a comic book store and it's a once again, it's a sidewall thing. Like, yeah, we sell comics, but we also have those available because there's comic book figures. Right. Um, and then another real big uh, pain or problem that we ran into is um, we also are a good target market for people who might not know much about nerd culture. So like we focus in on nerd culture, but like the example I always use is like, if Ashley wants to get me a Funko Pop, she might know I'm into this thing, but she doesn't know the difference between a like convention sticker and a shared sticker and mm -hmm. like, okay, like all these sort of things. Like I know that my friend likes Spider-Man. Um, do you have any Spider-Man sort of Funko Pops? Where a lot of the other stores like you might not want to walk into like a comic book store if you're like, you know, a mom looking for a toy for her kid. <laughs> right. Um, and so be having that approachable thing of, Hey, this is specifically what we focus on. You can come and say, Hey, like I just have a general, like they really like Superman or they like the show, the office. Um, you know, do you have anything like that where we can say, yep, because this is specifically what we like focus in on versus you might not get that if you go into a, video game store or a comic book store or a collectible store right. where it's one of the things that they're juggling, but it's not like the thing that they're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when you know the painter problem that your niche has, it really focuses you in kind of like we were saying, you can't just like you can't shotgun everybody out for what you're doing in your pro your brand or your product. You also can't shotgun out and hope to just fix problems. When you focus on a problem or a pain, and you can really speak to it, not just understand it, but speak to it and, and, and recognize, you know, even for me as a pastor, I know what it's like to, um, I know what it's like to be super involved in ministry and missing out on things with my kids and missing out on things with my spouse and, you know, feeling like a, we're never taking vacations. Like I know what that feels like. So I understand that pain and problem. And so I can speak very directly to that. Whereas, you know, some other coach or consultant out there that, you know, serves all kinds of business people and whatever, they may not understand where you are as a pastor. And so, you know, understanding what that, that pain or problem is for your niche allows you to speak very directly to it and help them understand, like, you're not just serving up canned answers, but you're serving up something that you understand and you have a great deal of knowledge and understanding and perspective about. So, so that's step two. Step three then is to create content. And we're going to camp out just a little bit on here because creating content is a wide uh, spectrum. So I just want, first I want to talk about what that means and why we do it. Creating content, especially now, you, you know, so for, for a long time, if you want to create a business, you want to you know, create a side hustle, whatever, you had to take out ad space or you had to build out this huge reputation where word of mouth would just carry you. Well, today that's not really how it works anymore. Now you can take out ad space and word of mouth is super helpful. But the reality is, is we are inundated with information. We are inundated with so much uh, by this, by this, by this. And we're, you know, we're coming in on the, uh, on the good, or not the good Friday, the black Friday. We're coming in on black Friday season and we are going to be inundated not only with all of the ads and all the marketing for all the products, we're also coming on election season, so we're getting all these, uh, you know, political ads and everything else. We are inundated with information. And the problem is, is for you and I, we don't always know who to trust. 
because we know that ads are best foot forward. And so a mm-hmm. good ad is, you know, supposed to bring us to a point of buying a product or a service. But do we really trust that? Is that something we can really rely on? Do the people that I'm buying from really understand uh, my pains or problems? And so where content then comes in is it connects you as the as the hobbyist or the specialist or whatever. It connects you with your potential customers that are out there. It connects you with the people who say, hey, I, I get them. Like they understand where I'm coming from. I, I get where they're coming from. There's this connection, almost like a relational connection because you're mm-hmm. creating content that's connecting. Um, because again, you're going beyond just, hey, here's my best foot forward. Here's my three lines of copy that's supposed to get you to come buy my thing. Instead, it's content that is connecting with you and really making you realize that I understand where you're coming from. You understand where I'm coming from. And we should get together and help you solve that problem together. Um, and mm-hmm. so, and there's lots of different ways. And so, so Matt, for you, what content do you use to really connect with your niche, with your audience? So we do a bunch of things to kind of show that we are just a part of the culture that they're in. So we do things like unboxing videos where we will get like from my own collection, for example, uh, maybe I have a Funko Pop that's pretty rare or just came out. And so, um, you know, I'll do a whole like me opening it, me looking at it, doing like a like 360 shot of it. And, you know, they can see like my excitement that I think this is really cool. Um, and what that does is that kind of assures them, like, kind of like you were saying, like, I am one of you. I'm not just someone who's in a warehouse somewhere that just is like throwing your Funko Pop into a bag and then sending it in the mail. Like I am a collector. I know the culture. I know, you know, like I was saying earlier, I know why stickers are important. I know why box condition is important. Um, And so that content that I'm pumping out, whether it's something like unboxing or Instagram photos or different filters or different things like that, uh, shows them that, hey, this guy knows what I value. He's a collector himself. So then when it comes time for them to want to purchase something, then they know that if they come to me, I'm going to be careful with the box. I'm going to ship it properly. Um, I'm sharing in their excitement. Like I always, you know, make the joke, like when I send a pop, like I'm glad it's going to a good home, like <laughs> someone who's going to like appreciate it. Um, and so, you, give it you a know, kiss just different as you put it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, a little blanket bucket into the box. Um, but it's just one of those things where they know more people are more willing to buy from me because they feel like they know me as a person um and know that like hey this is someone who also like me enjoys this hobby over some nameless you know pop seller one two three on ebay (laughs) um so yeah so for me the creating content is more so they can get to know me as a person and realize that i'm a part of the community that they're a part of as well yeah that's good that's good. So for you, uh, which, what content do you feel like really? So I'm thinking if somebody's listening and watching, and they are in the hobbyist space, um, what do you, what have you found works best that connects with your your niche best? Um, I would say just sharing your passion without trying to sell them something. Um, you know, I don't want my unboxings to be a commercial. So like a lot of times, like I will do unboxings of something that, like I said, is in my own personal collection. 
So it's not even like, hey, here's an unboxing. Now, if you want to buy it, click on the link below. Right. Because <laughs> um, then it just feels like a really fancy commercial. But yeah. like what I'll do is um, like something that I'm really excited about. Maybe I've been waiting for a long time because it was a pre-release and finally it came in the mail. And so they get to see like, I'm excited and wow, look at this. And oh, look at the color on that. That's so cool. And then at the end, I can say, hey, like if you love Funko Pops too, go ahead and follow our page or do whatever. And then separate from that, like they'll say, hey, we're doing a live sale or hey, we just posted a bunch of new stuff on our store. Right. Um, but they're realizing like me as a person. So one of the examples that you know we've talked about privately is like woodworking. Um, maybe you're not showing off, you know, a table that you're, you know, building and then putting out for sale, but maybe it's something that you're making for your home. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, they get to see the enjoyment and the care and the passion that goes into the project. So then when they have something that they would like, they know, hey, he's going to care about this and be passionate about this and do it with his own hands. And so the fact that they know you as a person, even in those like quick, like maybe two to three minute videos or just a cool photo that you posted, they're more likely to buy from you than some nameless person that might do the job for the same price and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's good. Well, and I think that's important to point out. And and you said it, but I really want to zero in on that. Your content, the the large majority of your content that you create should focus more on serving your audience and serving your niche rather than selling something. Um, mm-hmm. So for, for Ministry Hackers, we have the podcast, we have articles, uh, there are free tools that you can get on the website. We are constantly creating content that is not geared to sell. Now, there might be ads here and there like on the blog or you know, sometimes on a podcast, we'll say, you know, we'll mention what our, um, you know, what our uh, giveaway is that day. But it's it's almost always free. It's almost always designed to put something in your hands to serve you as a pastor or ministry leader. Same thing for you, Matt. You're creating things that are, like you said, sharing your passion, sharing your heart, you know, sharing your excitement. The idea of content is creating something that connects, not sells. Um, there's mm-hmm. a place for that, and that will come. Um, but it's more important that you're connecting with that niche and you're really showing that you're a part of it. You're a part of a niche. So like for me, if I tried to say, Hey, I'm going to do Funko pops, um, you know, I'm going to jump in this space and I'm just, because there's, you know, there's a market for that and I'm just going to jump in and start selling Funko pops. Well, the reality is if you're into Funko pops, you're going to be able to sniff out that I'm not a part of the community. And you're going to mm-hmm. tell that Matt is simply because of what you're seeing in the content. My content's going to be probably very uh, skin level and I'm going to say some things that you're going to be like, that doesn't make any sense because I'm not a part of that community. Whereas Matt, Matt is very much a part of that community. He understands it and the things he says and the passion that he has is going to come through in the content. So for you, what is your hobby? What's your niche? What are you really wanting to connect with? Because when you create content and you focus on serving rather than selling, then what you're going to find is is that people are going to gravitate to you, not because of a product or a service. They're going to gravitate to you because of you, because you share a, a, a perspective, you share an interest, you share something with them, maybe even share the problem. Again, for me, I understand what it's like to uh, have that tension of doing ministry while trying to be with my family. So I get that just like you're dealing with that in your own life. So that connects us. We are connected mm-hmm. because of our shared challenges. And so your content is focused on connecting and, and serving your audience, not just selling. And I think that that's, again, you you kind of said it, Matt, but I really want to zero in on that because I think that content creation can become 
very easily can become, hey, here's this, thing. like you said, a very, um, a very uh, fancy commercial um, yeah. that, you know, that feels it. Like, we're, again, we're so inundated with marketing that we can sniff it out in a hurry. We can tell when something is not a genuine connection, when it's just like you're trying to sell me something, but you're going a really long way around it to get me to a selling point. Yeah, and I think that <clears throat> one of the fears, especially starting out, is you say, well, if I'm doing something, I need an immediate return on that something. So, um, you know, even like this podcast that we're doing right now, like, uh, you know, if you're starting a podcast, the immediate worry can be like, well, how am I going to make money off of it? Right. Because right? that's the end. Because honestly, that's the end goal. Like, mm -hmm. if realistic like the point of the side hustle while yeah you might have fun with it and it might be passionate like if at the end of the day you've been you know if i was selling funko pops for three years and i never sold a single funko pop then i'm not it's not a very good right. side hustle <laughs> um so but i understand that tension but at the same time i think that people really need to understand that nowadays especially like when there are so many options Mm -hmm. um when it comes to what you purchase or what you do or who you listen to um people the value of people essentially liking you or feeling connected to you is more valuable than maybe even money um you know i know there are people who would probably come to me and spend a couple bucks more mm -hmm. than uh just you know some random thing that they've never ordered from they don't know where it's coming from um, all that sort of stuff. But the fact that they know me, they want to support me, they like my content, all that sort of stuff uh, makes it more likely um, that they're going to purchase from me. Uh, we do this thing called whatnot sales, which is basically like a live eBay, eBay uh, situation. Like it's like an auction. And I'll have repeat people who might not buy anything, but they'll tune in because they just want to hear me talk about the Funko Pops or see what I have available. Um, and so I could look at those as like losses where it's like, Hey, you're sitting in my show and you're not buying anything, right. but then eventually those people will buy from me because it's like, okay, maybe they just don't like what we're selling today, but they will tomorrow and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I would really encourage people like, don't feel like every post something, it has to be like, okay, what's the monetary value I'm getting in return right. because you need to build up that, um, community when you're creating that content. Yeah, exactly. Well, in. And when you're, if you're focused so much on selling, 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 and everything has to lead to a sale, then what happens is you end up doing just commodity sales. And so, you know, if you're not the lowest price, well, then you're probably going to lose because you, you've created a commodity. Whereas, mm -hmm. like you just said, Matt, like people are willing to spend just a little bit extra with you because they trust you, they're loyal to you, they know you know, you understand where they're coming from. So even if your Funko Pop costs a couple dollars more, they're willing to do that because you're not trying to get to the lowest number. You aren't a commodity, mm -hmm. but you are creating – basically, you're creating a community of people who love Funko Pops, who are into it, and you're providing a service by giving them access to ones in a safe environment. And I think that mm -hmm. that's what we have to create as, as – uh, essentially, as entrepreneurs, as we're creating side hustles and moving into this space, we have to create safe environments because – the reality is, is there's too many scams. There's too many, uh, you know, very shady deals out there that we can fall into and we need safe spaces to buy things and, and be served and, you know, to come into and get answers. I know for me, um, you know, over the several years that I've been doing this, there are all kinds of people who are very willing to charge you thousands of dollars to create your online business, but only a handful of them that I found really 
are doing it well and are offering something that's good value in a safe environment that is really going to be helpful to you. The other ones mm. are just, they're just selling you, you know, essentially s- selling you something that, you know, isn't going to work for you at a very high price. And you can easily get caught in selling or uh, buying, you know, crappy products and services because you just don't know. And so mm-hmm. what we want to do is we want to create a safe space. We want to create a, a place for our niche to come into and find what they're looking for because we are serving them. We are saying, hey, I'm not just here to sell to you. I want to serve you. I want to help you get to wherever you're wanting to go. Um, and that's what creating the content does. It, it takes you from just an ad on Facebook into a community where people can connect with you and connect with one another and have a safe space to belong. And so, mm-hmm. okay. So then let's just talk about possible content options. And so you do um, unboxing videos. Are there any other videos you do? You said the whatnot. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do uh, whatnot uh, sales. So that one is like a sale, but we, the thing that makes it different than like an eBay is it's almost like a live stream. So right. like we're talking, maybe we're talking about like a new movie that come out. We'll have like theme nights where it's like, okay, it's all Harry Potter stuff. And I'll ask questions like, Who's your favorite character? What Funko Pops do you have? So people are like interacting in the chat. So, um, you know, making it more than just like, okay, here's the thing. I'm off camera, like set the timer, that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm on camera, I'm engaging with the audience. Um, And then things like, uh, we have like a TikTok. So we'll do like trends that have to do, um, you know, that are trending right now, but then also kind of are fitted for our community that like involve Funko Pops or just nerd culture in general. Um, And so that, like we've gotten over like, um, you know, I think we have like over 1200 followers on our TikTok uh, just for making fun little videos, uh, like 30 second videos of people and people enjoy it. And then from there, if they're ever looking for a Funko Pop, then maybe they'll come to us to buy one. Right. Good. So on our end, on the Ministry Hacker side, we do, obviously we have the podcast, um, which also then is a YouTube channel. Um, we have the blog, um, different ministry articles that I write on a regular basis. Um, dealing with different uh, leadership and ministry challenges that we face. Um, I have two books. Um, one is a leadership, millennial leadership book. The other one's a Christmas devotional, which I'm super excited about because we're almost there. And so <laughs> getting ready to roll that out again for this year. Um, and then, yeah, just even our social medias, we you know can do things on there. And so for you, you have to find what works for you. What are you comfortable with? Maybe you're saying, <clears throat> I'm not really comfortable with doing videos yet. Yeah, I'm not comfortable sitting in front of a camera. That's fine. Do a podcast. Um, create a Facebook group and just funnel your um, your niche into that group where you're interacting. Maybe you just give resources. That's another thing we do. We give tools and resources um, that we come across uh, from all of my years of ministry and from different areas of leadership and ministry that I run into. I just take tools and, and um, serve them up for free, most of them. Um, and so for you, what, what can you give? What can you offer what kind of content can you offer whether it's videos audios whether it's uh pdf uh forms whether it's um tutorials again going back to the woodworking thing maybe you're doing a a tutorial a step-by-step tutorial on how to um you know how to router a, a, a door or something like that you know whatever the case may be what can you offer for free what content can you create that connects them with you adds value to them um, and makes them feel like they're in a safe community, a safe place uh, to be a part of. That's the goal, and that's what we're really focusing on. And so, so that we're going to stop there. So those are the first three steps in creating this side hustle. Um, we're going to cover the the next few steps 
in an, in another episode. But I want to stop here because that's a lot to ingest. Uh, it's a lot mm-hmm. to take in. It's a lot to think about. Um, and it's really it's it's something you can really focus on over the next several days and and week of really start thinking through. You know, what is my niche? What what niche do I want to be a part of? What niche am I interested in? What niche can I add value? Um, and then discovering what are their pains? What are their problems? What are they frustrated with? You know, maybe there is something out there that's, you know, really not being addressed. Maybe there's something out there that's, uh, there really isn't a solution out there for. Um, and so, you know, what are those pains and problems and, and can you discover what those are and really understand them? Again, if you're already part of a community, so like, again, for me, as a pastor and ministry leader, I understand the pains and problems of ministry because I've been in it for 20 plus years. Uh, you know, for Matt, he has been a fan of Funko Pops for a long time, much longer than he's had the side hustle. Uh, and so if you're already a part of community and you know what those pains and problems are, it's maybe it's just time for you to step into the solution and say, okay, I'm going to create a solution for this pain and problem and serve this community. And then once you understand the pains and, and, and problems, then what content can you create? What can you design? What can you build? What can you create? What can you uh, write? What can you offer to that niche that's going to address those pains and problems? Not selling anything, but just connecting, creating a safe space, and really just creating uh, you know, a, a community of people where you are connecting with them and, um, and sharing your frustrations, sharing your wins, um, you know, sharing this connection that you have with them uh, because you're coming from the same space. And so so those are the first three steps. And so what I want to encourage you to do is really go through these and really dive in and start asking these tough questions and, and write down your answers. Don't just think about them and be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because then when it comes time to really put it in action, you're not going to have it in front of you. Um, Matt, any other things you want to share? Any last-minute thoughts as we close out this episode? Not really. I mean, I really, like you were saying, just really hitting on the uh, – creating content thing like the more that people know you the more likely they're going to you know down the line purchase from you and so don't be afraid of that and just really lean yeah good and i would agree 100 with that so um so yeah so take these three steps really kind of dive into them process through them write down your thoughts write down your answers uh, because the next episode that we're going to talk about this we're really going to dive into the action steps things that you need to do to take this idea this concept of hey i want to start a side hustle and this is the niche, and these are their pains and problems, and here's the content. Take that, and then move into, okay, how do you put the pieces together to actually start selling, uh, serving your, uh, your audience, and really start moving them into um, an experience with you as you build out your side hustle, build out your brand, and really decide who you are and what you're doing and how you're serving. And so we're going to do that in the next episode together. Um, but for now, really focus on the content and figuring out what those pains and problems are of your niche. And thank you so much for being here, Matt, as always love having you here. It's always so much fun just to hang out with you. Um, (laughs) uh, Thank you so much for being a part of this episode, everyone. And um, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, however your fall is going, I pray that God is blessing you. I pray that he is really just touching you um, as we come into this holiday season. Uh, My prayer for you is that ministry goes well that you have time with your family, time with your friends. You're able to enjoy the season and not just rush through it. I don't want you to get to January and be like, oh, glad the holidays are over. I don't want that. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to sit back and take some time and really enjoy it. And that's what we're here trying to do here at Ministry Hackers. We're trying to help you enjoy the seasons you're in. Take the time to have fun with it. 
take the time to uh, really savor the moments that you have rather than just survive them. And so, um, so thank you so much for being part of this episode. I look forward to serving you in the next one, and we'll see you then.